Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Limerick City and County Council have uh, indicated the creation of a post for a dedicated city centre revitalisation manager to help address challenges faced by the retail sector and the city centre in general. And the councillor, Lisa O'Donovan, has uh, tweeted us at Limerick today this morning to say, delighted to hear you're following up on last week's discussion. The new revitalisation manager starts today, so it's a very apt conversation. That's great to hear, Lisa. We've actually got in contact with the City and County Council to say can you tell us exactly who uh, the person is? I think that would be helpful. Uh, But uh, last week we had Vincent Murray, a Director of Economic Development from Limerick City and County Council, uh, on the show about it. We're taking action now to make sure there is a viable city centre now and going forward and that we can grow that city centre. So we're putting in place um, a number of measures, including appointing a dedicated person to work across all our, our, our departments where we are working in the city centre and just to be the, the, the voice and the link with the businesses and the retailers there uh, to communicate what we're doing and to be, um, I suppose, be the facilitator of the city centre multi-stakeholder working group that that will um, approve and drive uh, the type of initiatives that we need to be implementing, the type, type of events we need to be hosting at the weekends to attract in uh, large numbers of people and the types of promotion that we need to do uh, for our city centre to 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 market it better and to and to get more people uh, to visit it. All right, that's Vincent Murray there from Limerick City and County Council chatting to us on the show last week. And since that, uh, many of you, hundreds of you, have been in touch with us. And uh, some common themes did seem to emerge, uh, an interest in enhanced public transport and living space in the city centre, two of the big ones. So uh, to uh, chat more about it this morning, I'm joined by Fionnán Coughlin, who is a UL graduate with an interest in this area. You're welcome, uh, Fionnán. Duncan Casey, uh, well known as a former Munster rugby player, but uh, vocal on these issues as well. And uh, you're welcome. And Ailish Drake, uh, architect in Limerick, involved, of course, in the Limerick Georgian Society and other things. And you're welcome as well. Thanks, um, so, Fionnán, you, you were making the point that uh, based on the chat uh, last week that you um, heard that you think there's a little bit of confusion about this revitalisation manager role. Well, yes, because Elisa, who is a Social Democrat councillor, she said that uh, it's going to be an internal appointment. So that means that they're probably going to be appointing one of the existing planners to take on this role, maybe in a dual position. So um, I don't think it's going to be an outside appointment from someone we haven't seen before. It's going to be someone in the executive branch of the council. So, What do you think of that? I think that's fantastic because I think the council has more than enough existing human resor- like resources um, to get the job done. Um, I don't think it's necessary to bring in another salary. Um, I think that, you know, the solutions are there. Nigel Dugdale was on last week. He put forward some great ideas and also there was a uh, retailer, local um, retailer from the city centre on. I think people know what we need. Uh, it's just a matter of getting together and perhaps this new revitalisation manager could convene a meeting of all the independent business owners in Limerick City, you know, maybe have a public consultation, um, hire out a conference hall in a hotel and just, you know, start a conversation face to face. I think that would be positive. 
I mean, the thing is, Ish, we've heard a lot of debate around this. We're conscious of the O'Connell Street revitalisation plan. You would have contributed uh, to uh, that, as did many others. Um, are we on the right track, the wrong track, or where are we when it comes to Limerick City Centre? Yeah, I think um, maybe we're not actually understanding what the problem is. Um, I think, you know, retailers, they often talk about the car parking and, you know, get more parking spaces in. But what they actually need is footfall. And I suppose what we need to think about is how do we actually get footfall into the city? And uh, at the moment, the city is overrun with cars, the city centre, and we know that it's a very walkable city centre, so we don't actually need to have cars running right through it. So I think the, I, I keep saying it's the true traffic that's the problem. We've an awful lot of traffic coming through the city centre that's actually not stopping in the city centre, that's not shopping in the city centre. And I think cities now, we know that uh, retail, re- retail has, you know, a lot of um, uh, challenges and it's not just um, it's, it, it's, it's, on, it's um, I suppose it's a challenge for them, they're competing with the online, they're competing with the out of town, uh, they're competing say here with the Crescent Shopping Centre and I think that we need to stop thinking of the city as just a retail space and a place to shop. Because so when you hear people use the analogy that the city centre should be treated like a big shopping mall, a big shopping centre, do you find that frustrating? Yeah, I find that very frustrating because because um, in the US, the shopping malls are, are closing up all over the place because it's just you can't compete with the online offering. And uh, just providing shops is is not providing um, a destination for people to go. So people don't want to just come into the city centre to shop. They actually want to come in and they want to meet people. They want to hang around. They want to go for lunch, go for coffee. And so it's really about creating a vibrancy on our city streets. So when you do create um, something that people want to come into town, um, you know, to come to, uh, then the, the retail actually gets an uplift as well because, so you need to create the destination and then the retail will follow on from that. So we have to stop, um, we have to look at it from a different angle. Okay, let's just hear a little of what Nigel Dugdale um, had to say uh, on the show last week and we'll hear from Duncan right after that. Unless we triple or quadruple the number of people living in the city centre, we will not have a vibrant city centre by day or by night. They've managed to get all these planning applications in. You're probably not going to see a ribbon cut in any of them for at least six years. Arthur's Key hasn't even started putting a planning application in from what I can understand. So, you know, anything, when people talk about Marks and Spencer's being the deus ex machina that's going to come and save Limerick, if it does come, well, I'll certainly be hitting 50, right? And I'm getting a bit tired of it. That's Nigel Dugdale. Duncan, what do you make of it all? Well, I'm glad that I'm leading in from Nigel's point there because I bought a house in the city centre three years ago and um, I'm, I'm very much invested in, in the city centre going forward and I would be in complete agreement with Nigel in that the crux of the issue is that there aren't enough people living in and around the city centre and I think a lot of the discussion is focused on uh, how to attract people in from outside but ultimately while the nine to five business is good, people who come in and work in the city, while business at the weekend is important from people who live in the suburbs and might come in once or twice a week, ultimately what's going to sustain and develop the economy in Limerick City going forward is people who are, are living and working in the city centre. And unless there's a big shift in focus um, towards making that a priority, I really don't see a significant amount of change going forward. Um, when I was started house hunting, I'm, I'm 29 now, and obviously a lot of people in the row my age are kind of looking to buy their first home and when I started house hunting and I was telling people that I wanted to 
buy somewhere in the city centre versus Castle Troy where I've been living for seven years or Anacotti or, or Castle Connell um, or anywhere else. Uh, people were looking at me like I had two heads because it's not considered a viable option and that's a big failure on the part of, of the city in general that we aren't able to present our city as uh, something that's really, like potentially is a fantastic place to live. I talk about the potential of Limerick City a lot, but um, I... I decided to move into the city because I think it offers a huge amount in terms of quality of life for people that live in there. And obviously, by virtue of the fact that I've been living in there for a number of years, now I've gotten to know people of all ages, uh, of all sorts of family sizes, um, of all sorts of backgrounds who have taken the decision like me to move in in recent years or who have been there for a long time. And I'm yet to meet someone that regrets the fact that they've come in and decided to move them and their families or their partners into the city centre. Uh, I think it offers a tremendous amount, even from a practical point of view. Like, again, just to, to reference the places that I was just talking about, Castle Troy and Acadia and the likes of that. If you're if you're buying a new build in, say, somewhere like Bloomfield and Acadia, it's going to cost you between 285 and and two, 340 grand for a three or four bedroom semi-detached house. Similarly, down the road in Castlebrook Manor, three-bed semis is starting at 295 grand there. And uh, if you go out the other side of the city to Mungret, it's a similar story. It's 295 grand a Mungret gate. Whereas over the last three years, if you look at the property price register um, in places like Joseph Street and Wolfton Street, there's a heap of property, um, uh, slightly smaller in general, but only by one or 200 square feet uh, being sold for between 120 and 160 grand. Now, some of these places would need work and that can be a bit daunting to people, but you're talking about between 20 and 40,000 euro worth of work. So essentially you're getting you're getting a property of a similar size uh, with a lot of character in a very central location in the city for you know between 60 and 70 percent of what you might pay for uh the, the pleasure of living out in a suburb so i think we need to uh, make a, a really uh joined up effort to make sure that people know that because uh i, I don't think people consider it as a viable option currently mm, and yes i mean that's a point that you've been making for a long time isn't it even nigel said there you know 850 people you would need to maybe quadruple that to make the city centre viable and sustainable. Oh, absolutely, Joe. And uh, as I said, yeah, we have a huge amount of vacant property in the city. And I think a lot of the tax incentives that have been put out there, like the Living Cities, hasn't really worked for the ordinary people like families um, because it is, it's is—it's it's a tax incentive. So you have to earn quite a good income to actually make the, you know, make the gain back, we'll say, from, from your tax. So I think actually grant systems, and we've been saying this, I mean, 12 months ago we had the Heritage Council um, submission and we brought a whole lot of people together to talk about how we could improve uh, policy around heritage and one of the things was that uh, we should have proper grant assistance, grants available for people to do up properties because money in your hand um, is much more attractive than trying to work out some complicated tax return um, and you know if, if you give somebody say a grant of 5,000 or 10,000 to do you know a roof or to do something in their house then they will spend money on, on the buildings as well so it does actually become attractive so that's definitely something we can do um, but I, I suppose as well like obviously yeah we absolutely have to get people back living in the city but to do that we need to make the city attractive as well and you know it's probably not that attractive to live on O'Connell Street at the moment where you have a whole lot of traffic going past the window you know what I mean like, and it's very polluted and it's very noisy I think Duncan you were complaining about the noise up at your house recently as well That's right it's the only drawback to the place really uh, so I mean even if the traffic was forced to move slower through yeah, the area that would be that would be a step in the right direction but I would be in complete agreement with Dalish in that sense mm. and Finan I mean you as a UL graduate know the Castle Troy experience well as Duncan does <laughs> do you think that young people might 
might be attracted into the city. I mean, obviously the price point would be a plus, but the mentality around living in the city centre needs to change. Well, I think you, you can observe a new trend with uh, millennials and, you know, Duncan's age group as well, who are interested in living in urban areas. And I think this is a trend that's going to continue on into the future. So I think if the council want to look forward, I think there's going to be much higher demand for city centre housing. And I think that it's something that they should uh, look into and how they can maybe draft some sort of housing master plan. You know, we're in a housing crisis. Perhaps that is the impetus we need to go to the drawing board and look forward into the future and see what we can do. And, and I will say that I agree with everything Eilish and Duncan are saying because my father has been an independent retailer in the Limerick City Centre since 1983. So I'm familiar with the challenges that retailers face and I'm personally invested because I want to take on the family business when my father retires. So this is something that I, <laughs> you know, I'm personally invested in this, you know. Right, well, no, no, um, your dad would kill you if you didn't mention this is your opportunity. <laughs> get get well, some free publicity give, for the I'll give him a plug. You might know him, uh, John the Edge in the milk market. Yes. So he's been tapping away there now since 1983. And fair play to him, he made it through the crash along with many other independent retailers. And I think that it's the independent retailers that give, give Limerick its unique character, which is why I was upset to see Limerick Sports Store close down last week, because that's, you know, it's an iconic shop front. And I hope that we can do something to save it. I, I know he, the owner's going into retirement, but if he's got a son or a cousin, or <laughs> we can get someone in there perhaps to keep it going. Yeah, no, it's still open at the moment, but he announced it was going to close uh, over the course of this year. Um, we're chatting this morning to Fionnán Coughlin, to Duncan Casey and to Ailish Drake, and we'll be back with more on this. We're chatting uh, as a follow-up to our conversation last week to Ailish Drake, um, architect uh, Duncan Casey and Fionnán Coughlin. Owen is on the line. Um, good morning to you, Owen. How are you doing? Good morning, Joe. I'm good, thanks. So what do you make of uh, where we're going with the city centre? Um, yeah, I look at the step in the right direction, putting someone in charge of it. Um, I'd like to, you know, go back to what Duncan said there about people moving from, like, they'd like to Casa Troy and, and Anacati or Rahane and Dord Isle into the city. Like, I know from talking to one well-known and well-established restaurateur in the city and He's recently moved back into, I think, Joseph Street, um, basically because it's it's a lot easier for him to get around. He's he's uh, at a retirement age, so I think his family are going to take over the restaurant from him. So, um, and he says he can go after he finishes shift at eleven o'clock at night. He can nip down to the pub for a pint or two before it closes. And when he lived out in Castletroy. By the time he got out there, he wasn't, he, you know, he wasn't able to do that. And you know, it's, it's something that adds to the city when you have characters like that. Um, and and on, where do you think the reluctance has come from to live in the city centre in the modern age? Um, I suppose the big talking point is the dominance of of cars. Like um, I was saying there last week on the Twitter thread that. The, the Limerick Today put up and um, you know I'd rather take if I have to walk uptown I'd rather take uh, Caston Street over O'Connor Street basically because it's quieter there's only one lane of traffic on that first block of Caston Street by um, Mahogans and, and, and those establishments there so it's 
just a nicer atmosphere to walk up even that short stretch of um, of street. Um, like Anne there from Anne O'Donnell, I think the boutique, she was saying there last week that we kind of have to start treating the city as a shopping centre, but like, what shopping centres do you know that have two lanes of traffic outside and two lanes of parked private vehicles, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Irish, um, the O'Connell Street revitalisation plan, the other initiatives that um, members of the public have been asked to feed into, how close are those plans to where you feel we need to go in the city centre? Um, I suppose that I think they're not close at all, really. To be honest, Joe, um, we know the the we say the Limerick Transport Strategy is coming out shortly, and I think the councillors got a first view of it there last week or the week before, and there this you know early indications are that the two way bus corridor is going to go on to O'Connell Street, and obviously we need to have public transport in in the city. So I've no issues with um you know like we absolutely need buses, but I think O'Connell Street is the wrong place to put it. Um, we've won really good. Street. I mean, we've lots of good streets, but that's our main street, and um, and I'm and I'm not saying that we need to like. I don't want to pedestrianise the city centre. I just want to restrict um, the traffic coming into it and going going through it. We'll say. Um, so, for example, if you look at any Italian city, they have the uh, ZTLs, which are the limited traffic zones, and there's over 200 Italian cities with limited traffic zones in the historic core. So, you know, when you rent your car in Italy and you drive in, you can't go right into the historic centre and you do see cars there like they're going at 10 kilometres an hour it might be somebody who's living there and they you know they, so they're restricted to a certain number of people so you still have roads and streets and pavements um, and obviously the northern European cities are, are doing are much more focused on cycling and they're getting all the you know cyclists into the city so there are you know so, so other cities are doing it really well and I think we should look around and have a look at what they're doing it's not rocket science um, people are changing uh, the way they they use their historic cities and they're getting way more people into the city. People are living there, people are coming to visit there and also there's a wide offering. So for a city centre to be vibrant, you need to have things happening at different times of the day. Uh, So you need an offering during the day, you need it in the evening, so cultural offering, food offerings... Um, and obviously the people people living there as well. Right, and Duncan, as someone who lives in the city centre, do you see evidence of a nighttime economy, a, a nighttime social scene in Limerick City? Monday to Friday, no, uh, is the answer. Sunday to Thursday, I suppose, is probably more accurate, but um, anyone anyone that lives in the city centre will say the same thing. It's busy up until about 6 or 6.30, and then like, I'd often nip down to town for a bite to eat or whatever, go, just go for a stroll and... Uh, there are some people knocking around, but very few in comparison to to the daytime. Now, obviously, there's going to be a bit of a drop off, but I think that's been identified as a key problem. In that, uh, as I was saying, the nine to five business is important, but it's what happens after that that really makes a business sustainable or not. Particularly something like food. Um, I don't like in my own favourite restaurants. I was just kind of thinking through them last night um, in the lead up to today. But look at Thomas Street, like the amount of places that have closed that are in um, the food and beverage sector. Like recently, O'Brien's and O'Connor's. But before that, the old fire station at the top of Thomas Street which was one of my favourite places and the underdog um, down um, down the road and that's that's a central part of the city it's a very nice street it's very aesthetically pleasing um, you've got little Catherine Street off it so it's really it really should be a hive of activity and unfortunately the footfall just isn't there currently and uh, I would be in complete agreement with, with what Ailish says and um, I think the three of us are certainly in agreement that we need to change what the pr- 
priority is um, currently it's it's cars and I think that can sound a bit meaningless to people and people think that it's a massive issue to to address that but if you look across the continent there are dozens of examples of cities of all shapes and sizes um, places like Copenhagen where in, in 1962 they decided to pedestrianise a significant part of the city centre the mayor was getting death threats from retailers in the lead up to it and uh, to the point where there needed to be security there on the day in case there were assassination attempts but uh, 35% uh, Whatever happens I hope that doesn't happen <laughs> yeah. But uh, there was an increase in footfall of 35% the following year and that actual initial area has increased sixfold uh, since that period in 1962 so I think I can understand the reluctance of retailers um, who are already struggling they think that it's going to affect the the number of people that are actually coming to to buy goods and services often. But I think if we can actually show them that the evidence internationally indicates that any reduction in cars and increase in football would have a hugely positive impact on their business, I think they'd be more uh, open to the idea. Yeah, I, you know, Northern Italy has its problems at the moment, but as you pointed out, you know, Verona is a great example of a city centre there. Um, uh, Siena is another great example. Um, uh, and you played rugby in France. So what lessons did you uh, gain there on city centres and living? Yeah, well, Grenoble in particular, which is where I was, it's um, quite a comparable case to Limerick because essentially a lot of the discussion 15 years ago in Grenoble was similar to the discussion that we're having now. Um, the city centre was clogged up with cars, it was very congested, very polluted and it just wasn't a nice place to spend time despite the fact that they had a small historical centre full of beautiful pedestrianised streets which was uh, which was always very nice but the actual main thoroughfares were just overrun with cars and weren't people friendly places. So basically a mayor was elected in Grenoble about 15 years ago uh, and he ran on a platform of saying I'm going to turn the city upside down and make it a nicer place to live so he essentially set out to make it as difficult a city to drive in as possible. He uh, reduced the number of um, lanes of traffic going through the main parts of the city. I think there were two tram lines when he got elected there are now five and if you to put that in context imagine five tram lines in a city the size of Cork it's 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 kind of um, unfathomable for us really uh, but there are cycle lanes going every inch of the city more or less I, I cycled everywhere I cycled the training I cycled back home I lived in the city centre and to be honest it was just so much easier to cycle or walk that I very rarely got in my car so I think um, that sounds drastic but we need kind of a move towards that mentality where we go currently it's not working and we need to change it and you know, a very interesting point Duncan made there about a mayor who was elected and had a transformative mm. policy. We, of mm. course, um, passed a plebiscite last year for a directly elected mayor. The latest update was that we would expect to have um, he or she in place uh, by May of next year. Now, of course, there's a, a government uh, temporarily in place and who knows where it'll end up. But if you had somebody directly elected, would they have the mandate to do what Duncan pointed out was done by the mayor in Grenoble? Yes, well, that's the entire point of this new mayor, mayoral role. We're still going to have the ceremonial mayor, which is what everyone is familiar with. They wear the, the red robes, they wear the chains, they cut the ribbons, they turn the sods, and they take the interviews. But if you're talking about real policy-making power, that's the executives, that's the job of the city manager, that's the job of the town planners. So this is a major, major step forward for local gov- democracy at local government level because Limerick is going to be the first city in Ireland to have a directly elected executive mayor with policy making powers democratically mandated to actually make real changes because if you look at the local councillors you know I've, I've spoken with James Collins of Fianna Fallen and Brian Ledden who's now a TD but they were incredibly frustrated with the lack of actual policy making input that they had so I think this executive mayor is huge and I think that we should be talking more about it because it's a big opportunity for us to have a real connection to the front line of policy making power in the council. 
Okay. Well, we're not going to let this go because I think it is a key time for Limerick and Limerick City Centre especially. The next couple of years could make an enormous difference one way or the other so we will continuously be coming back to this and there's huge interest in it and of course Limerick City and Limerick City Centre is a driver of everything that happens across the county and the Midwest region so wherever you happen to be listening to this um, it has relevance for you and thank you very much for contributing uh, um, this morning uh, to our ongoing debate on this. Uh, Fionan Coughlin Duncan Casey and Ailish Drake. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Joe. Call Limerick today now on 461995.